welcome back to Judging Book Covers Podcast, a bi-weekly book club podcast where we are reading in 2020. <laughs> I think that's about the best best I could do now. Uh, I'm Megan Griffin, and as always, I am joined by my amazing co-host, Stephanie Cortez. Welcome back, Stephanie. I know. I'm so excited to be back. Yes. The first few Sundays where I was like, something is missing from my day. I'm not doing something that I should be doing. (laughs) I was so excited to, I got a magnetized, um, like, just a quick uh, whiteboard, like, write down things that are happening so I can keep Mm -hmm. track of, like, weekly meetings. It's like, I can add judging book covers this week. Yay! (laughs) So exciting. Oh, I have a, like, so I don't know who decided this, but at my apartment, my walls are textured. Which means command strips do not work on them. Ugh. Like nothing works. When I first started working from home there a couple of years ago, I put up like a calendar thing, and it it lasted like a day. Oh no! Like a whiteboard style calendar, so that came down. Um, so I decided, all right, I'm just gonna tape a blank folder to the wall and use a bunch of different brightly colored sticky notes on it to track stuff and it does fall off every like few days like duct tape and packing tape is what's holding it up and then oh you just gosh. stick it back slap it back on the wall and it's fine so now i'm going to be able to add judging book covers to because i have like yes. my work stuff and then i have a one personal sticky to keep track of anything i need to do outside of work that's awesome yeah that's, a little faux bulletin board very creative way to just you know have an office from home yeah it's annoying because <laughs> i have a whiteboard and i can't put it up anywhere <laughs> So it, like, leans against the wall. (laughs) So uh, we have been on a break for a little while, and some crazy things have happened. Some awesome things have happened. Um, Before we get into that, did you read anything over our hiatus? I know we talked about some things we were going to read, but I think we also went, we're just going to try to read. Yeah, it was definitely a we're going to try to read. Um, I saw a perfect tweet the other day that was something like, I swear I'm going to get back into reading. And I was like, that's me. (laughs) Yeah. So I did read uh, Big Friendship that I had talked about, the book by Aminatou So and Ann Friedman from the Call Your Girlfriend podcast. That was... How was it? I really enjoyed that one. Um, okay. It's really true. Like, we, there's... When you go to your self-help section, it's all about romantic relationships and maybe family relationships, but yes. there's not a lot of work on friendships, which, I don't know. I feel like, yes, a breakup can be bad, but a friendship, a friendship ending, like especially if it's a really long friendship, can be just as devastating as a romantic relationship, if not more sometimes. So it was really interesting because they definitely talk to people who do actually study that, very few. (laughs) Um, Surprising. Yeah. Just little anecdotes from them and their experience. Because, like, if you listen to the podcast, you just like, oh, it's two friends, and you don't really think of it outside of, yeah, they get along great, they they bonded at this Gossip Girl um, viewing party thing, and we're, have been inseparable ever since, like, but all friendships have ups and downs. They don't go super into a lot of the specifics, they do go into some, um, but not in a gossipy way, very much in the way of what we've learned and how we're working on that still, like how we're working to keep our friendship alive. I think this is definitely something that, uh, given my current anxieties and stuff, maybe I should definitely check this out. Yeah. I was um, like, oof, this is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I read a, a book on female friendships specifically a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, and it was very vapid. So I'm, mm. I'm like, these are definitely the kinds of books that I enjoy. 
Um, I read something this year, and now I'm totally going to blank on what book it was, but it discussed the uh, morning the the first call. I think is what it was uh, called. Oh, I totally am screwing up the phrasing, but basically it's like where there's not a lot of discussion about the fact that like when your friend starts dating someone, like your best Uh, friend starts dating someone mm -hmm. and then eventually gets, you know, and you're no longer their first call when they have good or bad news or you're Mm -hmm. like, you can't really call them first kind of thing. And like, there really isn't a discussion on that sadness and Mm -hmm. that because it truly is something that you lose and, reading this book and then that just topic and I like sat down and was like this explains fights that I had with my friend Robin who's been my friend for 20 something years and like in high school where we like couldn't figure out why we were fighting so much and it was because we both started dating and having these serious relationships and it was so hard to get that adjustment mm-hmm. and um yeah so I, I agree I think friendships are something that are definitely not um, we don't focus on them as much because, right. you know, everybody should have them, but everybody doesn't, and they're not easy. Right, right. So yeah, I would definitely, definitely recommend. Yes. Yeah, I'm very excited for this book and for this podcast. I definitely need to get into all this. Yeah, podcast. I really enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, that's basically that, and like my bust magazine that came. Yes, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, random, obviously random shit on the internet, but that was the only, like, book that I read <laughs> during the hiatus, so. Hey, you do you. I did one. So, how about you? <laughs> uh, I read more than one <laughs> because I think reading is my identity and that might be a problem. Um, let me pull up my list. That's another thing. I have not been tracking what I read on Goodreads, like, all year. And the year's, like, almost over. Like, oh no, you're going to need ugh. to sit down and just like figure it out. Right. Go to go through the podcast and then go from there. Oh, that's right. I went through some of Paul Tremblay's stuff. Um, he's like this weird horror writer. And I know a bitch a lot about like adult horror as a concept because it usually feels like it's focusing on some kind of like trauma mm-hmm. of like, you know, is the true horror having a an alcoholic father or is a ghost. Right. Give me the ghosts. Exactly. <laughs> and Paul Tremblay kind of feeds into that. Um, like I've read three or four of his and I just got another one that I was reading and was like, man, this is very close to the pandemic. I'm not going to do this anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But it's like um, the first one was, is my daughter crazy or is she really haunted by demons? And then the second one was, there are a bunch of strangers telling us that if we kill one of our family members, we'll save the rest of the world. Is this true? Um, and Did you watch Ready or Not? Oh, I fucking love Ready oh. or Not. Okay, so that's part of what I did during the highest is I finally watched that. So good. <laughs> I love so that movie good. so much. <laughs> oh, that was a delight. That also feeds into that, do we kill someone to feed the demon that's keeping our family alive? Or is the demon just, like, an Not real. Right, exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's like he feeds into that. But he does it in such a different way from, like, Stephen King and stuff that I actually, like, can enjoy it. I don't know. Um, 
But yeah, I, I actually, I, I guess I read a little bit more horror than I realized. Mm-hmm. And uh, the new book by the guy that wrote Crazy Rich Asians. Um, and the Twilight series. I did go through the Twilight <laughs> series. Because I did read the new Twilight book. So What did you think? What was the new Twilight book? Was that like... What Midnight was Sun? Yeah. Yeah. Was it a continuation? Um, like, I don't know anything no, about it. No, it is literally the first book from Edward's point of view. Okay, I thought I made that up. That's what I was thinking <laughs> it was. But I was like, no, there was that Fifty Shades of Grey book that was told yeah, from What's-His-Name. No. So... Okay. And she rewrote all three books from Gray's point of view. From what I understand, Stephanie Meyer is only going to do the first one. Okay. Which makes sense because I think the Twilight book's like 300 something pages. This was 650. And Edward's 100 years old. The angst that he has, I'm like, you should have worked this out like at least 40 years ago, dude. <laughs> like. Oh, dear. Man. And at least he's like, yeah, I'm a creepy stalker. I don't know how to feel about this. And I'm like, yeah, dude, we don't either. Accurate. Mm-hmm. From but the little I know get, about Twilight. <laughs> yeah. We get some of Jacob Black's thoughts through his brain. And I was like, oh, I like Jacob even more now. Mm. Oh, I've switched to Team Jacob. That's fun. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been an interesting reading experience. Nice. Yeah. Um, so before we get into what we read for this episode, which we have not announced anywhere, um, mm-hmm. I probably not going to, I guess, until the episode's released. That's, I think that's kind of a weird first. Um, we have joined a network. Yay. Yay. <laughs> we, uh, are now part of the certain point of view podcast network. Um, there is a discord. They have excellent social media. There's a website. There's so many podcasts. I cannot wait to sit down and go through some of them. Same. The ones that I haven't, cause I've at least listened to a few of them by this mm-hmm. point. Right. Um, but there's so many and, more. Yeah, there's so many and it's all across different topics, um, and different types of medium. And they, we have some exciting things coming down the pipeline, um, and so you will be seeing some more guests that come from the network. And we're very excited for that. And some more guesting opportunities for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and some other crossovers and just events. Like, it, it's going to get it exciting. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very, very excited. Yeah. Um, if you remember Alex uh, from, you know, teaching us about plays and dramas uh, uh, last fall. One uh, of my Alex's favorite episodes of the year. Yes. <laughs> uh, he is also part of the network. So, uh, and then next week, just to give you a quick spoiler, I guess, Frankie is going to come on, who is also part of the network, and she is amazing. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Super excited. Um, that also means that... Um, we're going to have ads at the end, so please mm-hmm. check them out. If you hear another podcast that you want to check out, please do go look at the website. I'm I'm not right. kidding. Like every kind of medium is out there, right. so lot to choose uh, from. Yeah, and uh, join the Discord. I'll go through all that again later, but, <laughs> but yeah. So since it's 2020, we've kind of thrown our book list out because we just want to read stuff we enjoy. And on this podcast, we stand Alyssa Cole. I don't Forever. think I've actually used that phrase. 
for anybody else, but it, I mean, you know there what? is nobody else that I can use it for. This is the perfect first usage. I agree. <laughs> I stand Alyssa Cole. I've also never said or written that for myself. So <laughs> <laughs> It's such a uh, weird phrase. I feel very old. <laughs> yeah, I feel very much like, hey, cool kids, this is what you guys say. <laughs> so I'm adopting your phrase. <laughs> Teach me about the TikTok. <laughs> oh, God, the TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Alyssa Cole just put out a book last week on September 1st, and it is a not a romance book. Um, we got an advanced copy of the book, and just like there wasn't much else that we were like this is what we want to read and talk about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and i think we have another one that we might do in a couple months that we have an advanced copy of as, as well so you know at some point this just made me come an Alyssa cole fan podcast you know that's fine because i haven't read all of the royal series so i'm you know that's yeah sure <laughs> um so because it came out on September 1st, and we usually don't talk about books so close to when they came out, we're going to try to do a little bit of a different format and talk about the book in general and the things we liked and stuff. And then I will make sure to very clearly be like, hey, spoilers are coming before we start like really getting into the actual book. Um, yeah. But the book we read is When No One Is Watching by, again, Alyssa Cole. It is... Not a romance book. It is, in fact, a mystery book mm-hmm. um, and was marketed as Rear Window Meets Get Out. And, like, I mean, yeah. that sentence in and of itself, I mean, Rear Window is one of my favorite movies. Get Out is a, a recent classic that I love. Mm-hmm. So I don't actually, I've, I've never seen Rear Window, but I, like, know of it. And also there was an episode of Castle that was very much that so that's kind of how I learned about it <laughs> um so I would say that that is very much an accurate statement especially oh god with get out it's yes this is definitely a psychological thriller I would say <laughs> for me I no, was definitely I, like yeah. so much is happening <laughs> <laughs> yes it was um I kept forgetting the get out part which is strange because that is like all over this book um, and expecting the rear window because I don't know why. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Re- like, hands down, one of my absolute top five favorite movies is Rear Window. Um, primarily, I guess, because it's Jimmy Stewart mm. and Alfred Hitchcock, even though Alfred Hitchcock is kind of a terrible person. Um, Jimmy Stewart is not. So, <laughs> um, and there is a specifically one scene that I was like, oh, this is like just the perfect homage to Wear Window. And the rest of the book is Get Out. Like just a perfect homage to Get Out. Ooh. I'm excited to see um, when we can talk about what that scene is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm going to just go ahead and throw this out here. I didn't know much about gentrification before I moved to New York. Um, I had heard the word, I understood the word, and some context about Atlanta, but really moving to New York is when I really started to learn about it. And that's on me. (laughs) I'm a white kid from the burbs, like, it's on me. And um, this book (laughs) gave me a lot of feels about being 
a white person in the neighborhood I was in and just like very much a Theo, I think. Mm. I'll go ahead and throw this out here. Our lead two characters, uh, it's told from two different points of view, is Sydney and Theo. Um, and Sydney is a black woman who grew up in this Brooklyn neighborhood who has come back after a divorce and is finding that the neighborhood is changing quickly. Yep. She's known all of her life. Keep leaving. Yes. New people, white people keep moving in. I believe at one point they say that it was at this point been like five families in less than a year had left. Um, And Theo is one of the white families, quote unquote, white people to move into the neighborhood. Um, Though we learn he's not, he's kind of like a part of a package deal. He's not the instigator (laughs) of the the moving in, I guess. Right. Um, But yeah, so I just moved from South Brooklyn um, from Sunset Park, which is a very um, Latino and Chinese neighborhood um, that you wouldn't have found white people in 10 years ago. Um, and, And in all honesty, it's gentrified some but they are still fighting it and this is kind of mm-hmm. how i learned about gentrification and being like oh shit i'm a white person and i this was not my intent mm-hmm. i just wanted to live in more of like a family community than in a like club part of new york yeah um so definitely got involved from the standpoint of trying to fight like they wanted to make it kind of the new up-and-coming place with industry city and stuff i just like all of that in the past five years and putting and feeling it in this book, like it was uncomfortable. And also mm-hmm. just like, I had a lot of emotions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about this book? Oh God. So at one point very early on, I told George that this book was going to kill me. So I was like oh, no. <laughs> this, like the microaggressions, Or the little snide comments. The phrase, these people, gets thrown around so much. I was just like, it's a horror book. I want to murder everybody in this book. (laughs) Except for the only white person I don't want to murder is Theo. (laughs) As of right now. I was like, jury's still out. We got to see how you get through the end of this. Um, (laughs) A lot of stuff. And it just felt very real. Uh, There is one scene where one woman is very much the Amy Cooper at Central Park. Ready yes. to call the cops. Although she says it with more glee, but she knows what she's doing. And then yes. when another white person comes up, the tears come back. Um, just hiding behind those white woman tears. Like, very real. <laughs> so yes. much. Um, yeah. And it just, and then it also made me want to learn more. So I hated history class in high school. Because to me, I only I felt like I was only learning about people who looked like me and like half my family when we were talking about slavery and Martin Luther King. And I was like, I know that there's a man named Malcolm X and you're not teaching me about him. I know that there's a Black <laughs> Panther Party. You're not talking about them. Like, why are we not talking about this? Can we learn about something else? Can we learn about what were Africans doing in Africa before y'all came yeah. and tried to fuck things up? Like, can I learn not slavery? This is why... I did not see that movie 12 Years a Slave, so I was just like, 
it'll get an Oscar because they like to see black people in chains. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I fully agree and, and basically try very hard not to see any kind of movie that is like, this is a, you know, people of color trying to fight the oppression. And I'm like, but you right. are still just focused on the slavery aspect. Right. Like, this it is took- trauma porn. Yes. It took me forever to see Selma. <laughs> like, which not the same thing, but I also, um, oh God, what was it? The Help will never. Nope. Will never, never read it. Never um, will see it. I think a couple months ago, it was like in the top 10 on Netflix. And I was like, what fools decided they needed to learn by watching The Help? So anyway. People that wanted to make themselves feel better. <laughs> yeah. About yeah. what's going on in the world. Right. So the parts of the book where we're looking at the history of the neighborhood make me want to read more about the history I was not taught. So inspired in that sense, lots of feelings of dread, lots of feelings of anger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there were a lot of, a lot of feelings. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. This book is like this perfect blend of an actual, like, thriller psychological thriller i think was the best phrase to use um and also using it as a way to be like i'm going to teach you about something that maybe you are probably sitting there thinking liberal states the north Mm -hmm. how great you are and it's the south that's a problem right and it was so good to be like i'm going to teach you really quickly why that is wrong yeah. Let's be very honest about things. Boston yeah. is super, can be super fucking racist. Like, yes. Just because you're in Massachusetts. There's like pockets also of Rhode Island. Like I'm in Providence. Yes. But I have to take the back roads to get to Connecticut. And I, there's definitely a couple of Trump flags that I see where I'm just like, what is wrong with you? Um, there's definitely red around this blue. We'll say. Yes. Yes. There definitely been some meetings that I've had for work where I'm like, Let's not assume that I voted the same political way that you mm-hmm. did. Also, I live in New York City. Why would you assume that I voted the same way that yeah. you did? Hang on a second. Yeah. And that bias is is basically challenged here. And, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. Like, it definitely um, made me want to learn more about, you know, my Brooklyn neighborhood mm-hmm. at the very least. And, um trying to find the history that's this area that isn't just about the civil war and the fact that Atlanta burned. Right. So I'm all for that. Yeah. I also liked the style too, because it's mostly alternate at first. It's mostly alternating paragraphs, one from Sydney, one from Theo, one from Sydney. Mm -hmm. And then there's, I think in the middle, a couple of cities. And then at the end, it's a lot of Sydney, which makes sense for the things that happen. Um, but I, I did like getting those different perspectives. Someone who grew up in this neighborhood and sees what's happening and someone who moved in, who's just like, I just moved in. What are you talking about? And then yeah, starts to see things and also finally Especially, getting to learn about him. Like a dude that is not particularly like considering himself woke or anything like that. Right. Um, but definitely doesn't feel like he's racist at all. Right. And and to see that challenged in both kind of an overt way, but also not, mm-hmm. I really, really appreciated. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Also, the fact that, like, 
when there's different points of view, I always get really worried that everybody's going to sound the same. Mm-hmm. And they don't. Yeah, they, no. It is a great job of separating it into two different voices. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I liked was their Our Hood app where neighbors can... Yes. What is What is the real one? What's it called? <laughs> like Neighbor... The pop- Next Door. That's what it's Next called. Next Door, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> so we get little snippets of next or a next door app basically called our hood app of the neighbors talking um i liked that inclusion it's kind of like why i really like jane the virgin because you would see the texting you'd hear it was yeah like you'd hear the sound like texting it, it just it just pulled in the new technology basically um yeah i liked that and i i definitely know like my my neighborhood um use like a lot of people use it um and for the most part, like, I don't think I ever saw anything negative. It was just like, hey, do you do you know anybody selling this? Or, hey, we're selling this. You know, is anybody interested? Or, hey, I've lost my cat, my dog. Mm-hmm. Is this bodega open? Um, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, it was a lot of like, hey, I just had COVID. Can I go outside? Like what, you know, basically just people trying to find anything, like mm-hmm. any kind of information in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I, it's. I agree. I I really like when when technology is used that doesn't feel dated. Right. Right. At least um, as of right now, who knows what it'll look like fifty yeah. years from now? But whatever. <laughs> Hopefully, it um, won't feel as relevant in fifty years. But who fucking knows? Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I am not hopeful. <laughs> um, have you watched? Do you watch Umbrella Academy? No. Uh, first of all, fantastic show. Two seasons. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go see it. Okay. I understand superhero fatigue, but also it's not like the exact same kind of superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second season, I guess just like quick spoiler for season one, season two, they're back in the 1950s. I'm not going to explain how okay. or anything <laughs> like that, but they're in the 1950s. And for those who don't know, Umbrella Academy is um, about this guy who adopted a bunch of kids that were all born all over the world on the same day at the same time. And they all have some kind of special power. He adopts seven of them. Wow. Okay. And one of them is a black girl. So they go back to the 1950s. Mm. 50s? 60s. When was JFK shot? I didn't pay attention to history class because I hated history. I think 60s. Something. <laughs> it might be early 60s. Sorry, I keep saying 50s then. But either way, she, who is from 2019, suddenly gets thrown back into the ni- early 1960s. And listening to her do all these interviews on, like, how much of this is still fucking relevant and how, right. like, just it's so much. But it's really well done. Um, just the, like, they do a sit-in at one point. And, and anyways, I was watching this while also reading this book and yeah also love craft country Mm, i've heard really good things a lot of great um black media that like is showing how much we haven't changed Mm -hmm. but isn't doing it in a way that feels like it's preaching yeah um So it's just saying because the other that day, is not like, on anybody to do the pictures of like Martin Luther King Jr. Like the civil rights movement, all in black and white, tricks your mind into thinking it's so long ago. Yes. Like I think he would be what 
70? How old would he be? I can't remember how old, like, there was some post I saw about how old he would be today, and I'm like, well, that's pretty young. Or, it's not super old. Like, he could easily still be alive, health-wise, you know, if he had not been murdered. Um, So, yeah. Like, it wasn't that long ago. This country has not learned enough, and this country has not changed enough. People just stopped talking about the way that they felt, and are now super emboldened to talk about the way that they feel, the racist ways that they feel. Because of the current president. Yeah. Yeah. So now we did this, like, on Kindle, but what did you think of the cover? We could have totally done this for a blue or yellow kind of We could of have, yes. <laughs> it is an absolutely beautiful cover. It is. It is. Like, I'm, I'm going to go buy a hard copy of this, or, a, like, a physical copy of this, because mm-hmm. I just love it so much. Um, it is a brownstone cover, but it's in blue. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, the one light's on, uh, there's the ivy on the building. There's one curtain or one window where like the curtain is pulled back, like someone is peeking out, but you can't see because it's dark inside. Another one where the shade is half up, very much like, who are your neighbors? Who's living there? Who's inside the house? Who's inside your house with you that shouldn't be in there with you? (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I also, I really loved the neighborhood dynamics mm-hmm. um, because so many of these people have known each other for so long and there clearly were people trying to move into a neighborhood and not necessarily change it. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a lesbian couple, the gins. Yeah. Um, that I don't think were terrible people in the end. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> concerned about them as the book went yes. on, because of course I was, but um, I don't think they were part of the bad group, like the bad right. guys, you know. Um, right. I do think both of them, I can't remember which one, because they're both named Jen, one in particular has a lot to learn. Yes. <laughs> but... Yes. <laughs> oh, but yeah... Um, I loved, like, there's one character, Mr. Preston, who walks around with his dog, and I think they call him City Hall. Um, he, like, yeah. He knows, yeah. He knows everyone, every, like, he'll make his rounds and just, like, say hi to people, and people will come talk to him, and he's known as City Hall because he never answers his phone, you gotta come talk to him. <laughs> yep. He's the, like, unofficial mayor of Gifford yeah. Park. Yeah. Um, I mean, this neighborhood, it had, like, a community garden. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like, this abandoned hospital building. There's all these great food places. Mm-hmm. Um, and bodegas, which, like, yep. fucking love bodegas. You can find pretty much anything in a bodega. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. you know, you just got to know how to look. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also, like, a museum that's really close and walking distance. That is the one thing, like, there are not, there's talk of subway stops and entrances and grates, but nobody ever really goes on a subway. Right. Our characters, like, walk everywhere. Yeah. 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 Um, which, to be fair, like, within the neighborhood, totally understand. Uh, mm-hmm. At one point, Sydney goes to get her hair done and takes an Uber, which we will talk about more in depth in a little bit. Um and the streets like line up. It's and I, like I could literally see where mm-hmm. she stopped and like what neighborhood that was and right. and all of that. That was really really cool. Yeah, 
Um, also love there's the talk, Mr. Mr. Perkins. That's his name, right? Mr. Perkins? Yes. Yeah. Um, the annual block party that they're going to be meeting to talk about and planning. They do this every year. And I'm like, I love this. <laughs> yes. It uh, coincides with the West African Parade, uh, mm-hmm. which I believe is a real parade. It's, so. it's not one of the ones I went to. Um, I think because like where it was was not easy to get to in Brooklyn for me. There's so many parades in New York. I love it so much. <laughs> Like, there was one year we went up, and somehow it was a Brazilian parade. But, and, like, it somehow ended up, like, we were like, where did this just come from? And it was so cool to watch. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, there's the church that, like, was originally the first black school in America, mm-hmm. then the first segregated, or, no, integrated school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually became a church. And like that kind of history is so cool. Yeah. And it just gets lost. Yeah. You know. Um, is there anything else we really want to mention before we really get into spoilers? I know. I'm trying to think what else there is that's not super spoilery. Um, just in general, I do think that Alyssa Cole did an amazing job of building the terror, building the dread that you feel, yes. um, your concern for the characters as you're reading. I can't give concrete examples yet, but <laughs> <laughs> she does a great job with that. I I know I loved um, the romance books that I've read of hers, but I do hope that she does some more thrillers. I hope so, too. Yeah, this similar to her romance books, I felt like this was incredibly real yes that's part of the problem with the dread <laughs> yes like, so real it because this book very much left me like i left the movie get out just like side-eyeing any white person i pass which is kind of hard when you're dating someone who's white <laughs> you're just like <sighs> <laughs> like definite because uh, it just feels too real feels like it could be happening yeah i feel just even more aware of the space I take, I guess, mm-hmm. is like, which I think is part of the goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into spoilers. Okay. Again, if you haven't read this and you want to, please stop now. Go read you it. You know what? Come back after. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to throw an ad break here. We're going to put an ad from our network. Yay. You know, so again, if you're just still kind of on the fence and you just need like, just stop and go right. listen to read the book. It is out an audiobook. Um, it is out. I know my Barnes and Noble has it because I talked to them about it last mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Um, so it is not like it. it is very easy to find. Go find it. Go get it and then come back. Right. <laughs> Can you believe we've been friends for seven years? And it all started because I compared you to Alana the Lioness. Tamara Pierce really set the tone of our friendship. A love of magic. Briar Moss. Fantasy. Briar Moss. Powerful women. And of course, Briar Briar Moss. Moss. 
I'm Anna. And I'm MJ. And we invite you to join our Circle of Friendship, where we do a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Circle of Magic series by Tamara Pierce. We answer important questions like, how does Moonstream let certain dedicates take care of children? Can you imagine anyone else but Mandy Patinkin playing Nico? Knives, Briar. And Knives. Join us every other Monday at cofpodcast.libsyn.com or wherever you download podcasts. But seriously, Knives... Okay, let's get into spoilers. Okay, so where to even start? <laughs> okay, I just, I'm going to throw this out here because okay. I want to, I, like, this is not the focus of the book, mm-hmm. but I truly appreciate the fact that she built the sexual tension. There's a great sex scene. It doesn't, it adds to the book. It adds to some of the horror in, of the book. It didn't feel out of place, and fuck, mm-hmm. she can still just write such a good damn sex scene. It's yes, so like in the middle of all this craziness, like, yes. and it just fit. It didn't feel forced, right? Um, definitely with the building, because one of my favorite things was when Sid is gardening and Theo yes. comes up to her, and her best friend's like, or no, before Theo comes, she's like, "Why are you dressed up?" She's like, "I'm not dressed up." She's like, "You got the shorts that make your ass look great. You got the shirt that shows <laughs> off your boobs this way." Like she's like describing all the ways. Like this was. You threw something on, but you threw on the things that you knew were going to make you look bomb. Like, (laughs) you did this on purpose. (laughs) Yes. And I think everyone is guilty of that, that trying to find that look that says, I just threw this on. But look at me. Damn, don't I look great? Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. And then they have, so they, you know. It, it reaches a point, they end up having sex, and then Sydney spends a chapter or two being like, oh, fuck. Actually, pretty much in the end book being like, oh, fuck. Did I just sleep with the enemy? Yeah. Like, what did I just fucking do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but she, um, like, was, was something about, like, dealing with fuckboy creek or something like that because she's divorced. Her ex-husband sounds like a real fucking piece of work. Um, the way she describes it to Theo is it just, he never hit her, but it just got to the point where she couldn't do anything right. Like food was too salty. The apartment's not clean. It was taking her too long to find a job. They'd moved out to Seattle for his job. She was taking forever to find one, all her fault. And then somehow he had her committed to a mental hospital for like three days. Yeah. It sounded like he, I I do wish that that we had gotten more into how that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, but the line of she was trying to convince them that she wasn't going to hurt herself or him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he gaslighted her like Marcus, yep. her ex-husband uh, is just like this perfect example of gaslighting. And mm-hmm. um, I completely understand the fact that like, she's fucked up from this. Yes. Cause it's been a year and a half, but money. exactly. Yeah. Therapy costs money and it takes time. And she's yes. also got the stress of she moved back home to Brooklyn and her mom is sick, which she's also got that on way. Something's on her. going on with the house because all these lawyers keep calling. Right. Like something's happened with her mom. I was like, I don't know if her mom got injured in something. Like Ooh. we don't find out um, really until about the last third of the book, mm-hmm. like what happened with her mom. Right. Because um, she, it sounds at first like her mom is at a retirement home and yes. either. Like, it was pride that was preventing her from telling the rest of the neighborhood. The rest of the neighborhood just thinks she's, like, in the hospital. Um, which, oh, Lord. <laughs> I, 
Uh, I don't even know. Like, do you want to get into what happened to her mom? Yeah, again, I know we just told you spoilers, but like, this is a big like, for spoiler real, for the book. For real, for real, for real. Because like Megan said, we don't find out until the last third of the book. Like, yeah. it's a long time. Um, Yeah, it was, I, it should have hit me. Because whenever someone calls a cell phone and the mom never picks up every mm-hmm. time she calls a cell phone and leaves her voicemail, like, that, people do that still in real life. Like, right. You, to yeah. hear their voice. But I thought it was because she was in the hospital and I thought she was to the point that she was so debilitated from whatever happened to her yeah. that she can't get on the phone. That's like, what I kept she's thinking, in a coma. too. Yeah, like, I, that's what I kept thinking, too. But she never goes to visit her mom. Mm-hmm. I thought we were going to finally see her mom when she takes Theo to Miss Candace's house where Miss Candace has like four or five residents, older people that are, they don't like the the term old folks home, I think they say, but that's like what it is. Um, I thought she was going to be there and I thought this is going to be interesting, but I was worried it was going to be like, oh no, her mom doesn't remember her. She's got amnesia. You know, it's going to be one of those things. But then her mom wasn't there and I was like, where the hell is she? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was... uh really like really well set up of like what is what happened to her mom where is her mom Mm -hmm. and the fact that like all the stress involving that the fact that there's lawyers there's people calling her bills aren't getting paid etc etc and sydney's not sleeping because of this Mm -hmm. but really the reason she's not sleeping is because her mother committed suicide yep because she couldn't handle her illnesses anymore. Yeah. But also made her promise to, like, not let people know that she's dead because they'll lose the house. Right. Because basically her mom got tricked into signing with this this company that said they would take in all your dead and it's fine and you could live here until you die and blah, blah, blah. Her mom had worked so hard for this house, wanted to pass it down through the, through their family. And then this was, but she, then she felt she needed to, to make some money because she knew stuff wasn't great with Sydney and Marcus over in Seattle. Right. So she did it. And then she didn't tell Sid. Like, basically, I love the line where Sydney tells Theo that I was telling mom was everything, fi- everything was fine. She was telling me everything was fine and nothing was fine. Um, Sydney doesn't find out until she's back home, I think, that that happened. Right. Um, but she makes her promise. To not tell them, because she, she phrased, mom phrases it like, if I die before we get the house back, you can't, you have to promise not to let them know so that you can keep fighting yeah. for it. Basically, she signed something that put the house on collateral that said, mm-hmm. like, she could live here until she died. Right. And, and it, yeah, it had nothing, like, there's nothing in the clauses for Sydney. Right. And so basically, they're just running around trying to figure out if her mom's still alive. Right. And I just was like, they're just trying to figure out if she's like still in the hospital, probably some right. insurance stuff. Oh, it's right. so much worse. Right. So her mom uh, overdoses on her painkillers and Sydney finds her and buries her in the community garden with the help of her best friend. Um, Drea? Yes. Yeah. Who's essentially like, I think they kind of take her in. Um yeah. yeah. She lives in the house as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of pictured like a three floor, which mm-hmm. I think is exactly what it was like a three floor apartment where uh, mom was yep. in the middle, Sydney's on the bottom. Yeah. Um, is up on the third. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, so the other thing is, I will, we find this out after the community garden gets taken away. So we see Sid working there, working the land. She's like 
it's it's weighing on her because she's killing plants and her mom that her mom had worked so hard on this garden and she's trying to keep it up for her mom and basically this was just a, a broke down lot that her mom cleaned up and made look really nice so the city gave her a deed because they could not find the original owners and then right. lo and behold some white guy comes in and says that he found the original owners and he bought it from them so now it's his land or his little lot well his land he bought it for five grand yep which five grand sounds like a lot of money to me. Like five grand would help quite a bit with some things right now. Five grand for a lot in Brooklyn. Right. Right. In Brooklyn. <laughs> New <Yeah>. York. <laughs> to be very clear. Like, like, come on. I think my apartment was valued at like 900 grand or something oh, like that. Lord. It was, yeah. yeah. Or maybe those are the brownstones that were around me. I don't remember. I remember yeah. looking at like some of the values to be like, never going to own a house. Never doing it. Right. Yep. But then, so he's there with the cops and they're like ripping everything up and padlocking it and kicking everybody out. And she's really upset. And yes, she's upset because this was her mother's. Like she tries to argue with him and the guy totally does that thing where you get defensive because you know you're lying. You get super, you get like extra defensive. Um, And he's also empowered by the fact that he's got the cops on his side. He's a white guy in the middle of like with these white cops neck. Like he, he can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever you know, the fuck he wants. Before 2020, and this is this is bad on me, I would have believed that it was possible that Sydney could have, like, I would have been like, man, I don't know. This feels like a little bit of a reach. Like, Sydney should have been able to fight this. 2020 and the shit that's gone on and the stuff that's right. come to light. Sydney did as best she could and what she could to not get killed or thrown in jail. Exactly. Exactly. And she does that a couple of times Um, here for sure. I mean, here, because she did have the emotions of this is her mom's community garden. And then as we find out later, her mom is buried under the damn sunflowers. Um, Some neighbors. (laughs) I had to read that a few times. I was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) She's where? (laughs) When she says mommy's in the garden, I literally sat up and was like, what? Out loud. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I was like, what do you mean she's in the garden? What? 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 And I was like, she did not. Oh my God. Right. Um, but here the two neighbors do have to help lead her away with the, with those like heightened emotions. Um, but there's also the scene in the former bodega. So she goes to this bodega that she knows she walks in the world, the word organic is everywhere. There's different stuff. She thinks it's still Abdul's place. He's gone. And there's some dude named Tony there. And, um, (laughs) He makes it a point to tell her that they don't sell 40s anymore. She didn't ask. And when she picks up the kombucha and I think cigarettes, he's like, that's not covered by wick. Did she say she had wick? No. And then he makes a big ass show of testing like the marker on her $20 bill and then giving her the wrong change. So she did the math of, is it worth the, what was her change supposed to be? 15 bucks. And he gave her like five. Yeah. Yes. And she's going to leave. Whereas Theo is with her. Theo is a white guy who I'm sure is not used to these things happening to him. So he fights back for her money and gets the money. And then is surprised when she's not happy with him and like praising him for being her savior in that moment. I think Theo is like the perfect white guy character for this because he is someone who he's not from privilege. Right. Um, Right. We learn that he's, Basically, like, his mother 
um, I don't remember if she's alive or not, or even if it's discussed, but like she, they were, you know, constantly homeless, running in and out of houses, bad boyfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently his dad is part of the Russian mafia. Um, but not in a good way, like not making money <laughs> off of it. And like, he's a con man. And yeah. basically that definition of a white person who in theory, when like you get, then when they hear something like black people inherently have it worse and they're like, but my life's not good. Not that Theo's that way, mm-hmm. but it's that kind of character that would fit into that spot. Right. I think there's a and, part where he says something like, I'm poor too, but yes. recognizing yes. that like, he doesn't have it quite as bad. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like him pointing out being like, I'm not them. Mm-hmm. Rather than being like, you, I understand your pain kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and very much like in the neighborhood, not really wanting it to change. Um, yeah. And yeah. like doing what he feels that his, is right and what he can't. Like he, one of the neighborhood teens gets, um, essentially the cops put uh, drugs in their house or someone puts drugs in their house mm-hmm. so that he can get arrested. Mm-hmm. So that his parents then have to put a lien on the house or bail on the house or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the house becomes collateral. And so thus the house is easier to be taken. Right. And he comes out the next day in a Black Lives – or not the, actually, I guess the same day mm-hmm. – in a Black Lives Matter shirt. And she's like, no, what the fuck are you doing? She uses their safe word because – Yes. He volunteers to help her with her walking tour to do, cause she wants to do one that actually talks about the people of color in the neighborhood, not just the white people, which is what the actual, like, currently existing walking tour does. And he volunteers right. to have, help her with the research because he's unemployed. <laughs> like, he's like, I got time and then I can meet neighbors. It's great. Um, so she's like, all right, I, we need a safe word because I can't be worried about hurting your little white feelings here. And they come up with howdy do, or she comes up with howdy duty. Yes. <laughs> She's like, that means it's too much. It's too, like, you need to, like. You're being too white. You're being too white. And that's, she immediately says it as soon as she sees him. Yes. (laughs) And I, I I think this, I, in my opinion, if you're going to have safe words and stuff, like, it needs to be, um, like that. Mm -hmm. Like, it needs to be something ridiculous. Yeah. So that it causes you to take a minute to be like, to laugh or to just, you know. Take a pause. Get out of that space. Mm-hmm. Or as we will see but, later, snap him the fuck out of it and do what needs yes. to be done towards the end of the book. Um, but we still, like, he still feels a little bit like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong kind of vibe. And not like, hey, I'm super woke. Like, I, I really appreciate the fact that he's never like that. Right. Um, he's but, trying. Yeah. He's just got. He's genuinely learn. trying, right? Yeah. He's got to learn. He's just got to learn to like, like with the with the change. Like her thing was, am I going to deal with this? Like, is it worth? What if he calls the cops and then I get shot over what ten dollars? Like, no, it's right. not worth it. I'm just going to leave. Um, right. He doesn't think like that because he doesn't have to think like that. Exactly. So there's a lot of things that he has to to learn, <laughs> basically. It, it read like um, what something that I think a lot of people need to hear, which is like there's a right way to be an ally and being mm-hmm. overly aggressive 
or mm-hmm. overly protective or something like that is not the way to be. Right. And also being an ally means constantly learning. Yes. It, it's a constant, it's a thing where you constantly have to learn and assess what you're doing and evaluate what you're doing. It's not, I'm just here and done. I don't have to learn anything else. Like, right. I got my Black Lives Matter shirt. I'm good to go. There's, yes. Like, it's more clearly supporting more. the cause. Like, what else do I need to do? Right. So, <laughs> Kim. <laughs> yes. Kim is Theo's girlfriend. Well, she's his girlfriend at the start of the book. Yes. Basically, they come to this neighborhood because she was scared that he was going to cheat on her. And then she cheats on him with this guy, David. I don't know how that math works, but that's what happens. And then to further add to the to the math I don't understand, the house, buying a house together as boyfriend and girlfriend was a way to reconnect after her cheating. Yeah. You know, houses and babies don't fix shit. Don't do these things with people. <laughs> like, as a band-aid. It almost kind of felt like, was she aware of Theo's past and maybe hoping he would turn into a hitman for her? Or did she actually really like him? I don't know. Like, there's that's one of the few disconnects about this book that I was like, this is rushed. I wonder if she Um, thought she could convince him. I think maybe she thought she could convince him to be in the fold, basically, on her side. Um, I've got the money. You have no other choice. Right, because he loses his job shortly after they buy this house. Yeah. Although her dad has a lot of money, so it wouldn't be that hard to look into him. Because so he loses his job yeah. because he pat he fakes a resume, and on top of that, he then to get into this high paying job, which I can't remember what it, what it is, but he starts buying coke for a group of people that really want coke, and then he realizes I've got their bank account information, like I can steal money from this corporation that's they're they're thieves as well, but they're doing it under the guise of legality. I'm just gonna steal their money, and then. He gets caught before any money goes to his bank account and they fire him to like save face and not have it in the news. Um, So it wouldn't be that hard to look him up, but at the same time, I don't know. I kind of feel like she thought she could just like bring him into the fold because they buy this house. They're fixing it up. She, well, she's doing a lot of work. She banishes him to what the second floor third floor yeah it's it's basically like as soon as they buy the house and move in she's like and uh we're done like i don't need you anymore but it's like it it is the one question that Mm -hmm. i kind of have of this book of like why did she date theo right because then like like why did you have to tie him into this house with you right and then you don't like him. So when he suggests to go, that they go to the bodega to get food, she's got her nose turned up at every goddamn thing. And then that's where we have the Amy Cooper Central Park moment of her yes. being saying that because she cut Sydney in line and Sydney says something and Sydney's attacking her and she feels unsafe and she's going to call the cops. And this African-American woman. Um, yeah. And then Theo comes. So Theo sees this and then she, but she doesn't see him. And then when she does see Theo, she turns on those tears and runs into his arms to like keep her safe. So I don't know if maybe she yeah. thought she could bring him into the fold and then didn't, but she's willing to use him for situations like this. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like the one thing that I'm like, why? Right. Like, 
why other than just to position him in this neighborhood like what is the yeah and you you might have something where you said if she knew about him because that that real estate agent bill bill yes says something to him about how he looks like a guy without scruples or something like that and how would he know like and as we find out later basically like he knows him because of her and her dad right so maybe yeah i gotta the think that somewhere in the background like she definitely knew that where he came from Mm -hmm. and what he was capable of doing and either when he got fired realized he wasn't good at it or (laughs) he stood up to her one too many times yeah and that also was like maybe i can't convince you just to kill people in the neighborhood because he's also enjoying the neighborhood too much he doesn't have a problem with them or like right. she keeps using a lot of us versus them like when she tells There's him that these us. right these teen boys are being so loud on the train and she told them to stop laughing too loud um and they started harassing her and she was so scared because she said she looked around and realized everyone else was and then doesn't finish the sentence but everyone else was black she's the only white person there so she comes home in tears um she's like you would have done something right so I think maybe she did realize she couldn't because he because his response was like what, like what was I supposed yeah. to? What would I? What? Because <laughs> yeah. in like, his head he's thinking, why didn't you just put your headphones on? <laughs> yeah, like I mean, have been there where you're like, oh, damn teenagers. Before even knowing what TikTok was, seeing teenagers on the subway doing TikTok videos and just being like, mm-hmm. what the fuck are teenagers doing? But yeah, you just put your headphones on. Like, why you got on a subway without headphones, that I also don't understand. Like, how you do that. Period. I think Kim's last straw would be when Theo comes home, because he goes to that meeting for the black party. And when he comes Mm -hmm. home and gets set to go up to his prison up on the second floor, she's there with their neighbors, Josie and Terry, and they want to know what happened in that meeting. And Mm -hmm. he's like, he doesn't, he's not catching on at first. And then he starts to realize what they're insinuating that, It was like this nefarious meeting where really it's just their neighbors trying to plan a block party. Yeah. And he snaps at them. Like he snaps at them and leaves. And so I think that's her last straw where she's like, I can't convince him. He's not going to come into the fold, do what we need him to do. Do you think she drugged the wine? Or she absolutely drugged that fucking wine. <laughs> the wine. Because <laughs> she, when she goes to say she's going to Martha's Vineyard or the Hamptons or wherever the fuck she's going for the weekend, and when she gets back, he needs to be gone. She's got so much confidence because she's like, um, of the two of us, I have a dad who is an attorney. And like, no, I'm not. He's, she's not going to pay him out for his half and what he's lost in this house, even though his name yes. is on it. And then she's like, you can have the leftover wine, but don't touch my stuff or I'll make your life hell. I was like, don't drink that wine. There's poison in it. Yeah. You got to be drugged. <laughs> don't do it. And Yeah, I wasn't quite there. But yeah, when he wakes up. And that's the moment that I'm talking about. Like, he's watching Mr. Perkins essentially mm-hmm. be attacked. Yep. That okay. is very much a wonderful homage to um, Rear Window. Okay. And especially, well, so Rear Window, um, the main character has a broken leg, so he can't do anything. Mm-hmm. That's why he's watching his neighbors, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um and in this, Theo's drugged and like, isn't quite sure what he saw. And, right. And um, also there's a body buried in the garden in Rear Window, too. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that. Oh, Lisa Cole, you're so good. Oh. Um, 
I thought I thought it might be the Mr. Perkins scene because there's this episode of Castle yes. where he's like on the mend, I think his leg or something, and there's something going on in the apartment across the street, and it's, it's basically something that his girlfriend puts together, like a play, essentially, like to entertain him while he can literally only just look out the window. Oh no! So I thought that might have been what it was. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's watching the neighborhood through this window that he feels is a prison, mm-hmm. and but he can at least leave. Right. Um, and, yeah, it just, it was so good. And the fact that, like, someone is in his Google Doc typing things to him, and oh, he's like, it's not Sydney. my God. And, <sighs> that was creepy. Yeah. Because it said something like, you're not feeling too well, are you? Like, the wine really got to you. And he's thinking, like... Yeah. I've been drinking since I was a kid. Like, I've never been this hungover. What is wrong yeah. with me? Why can't I? Like, he's moving very slowly and can't focus. And it's hard for him to, like, see what he thinks are figures in Mr. Perkins' apartment across the street. And, yeah. Yeah. Theo's got a lot of red flags. Like, really like him. Hope he and Sydney can make this work at the end. Um, but, dude, his background, which, like, not... Not to say that backgrounds are, you know, but the fact that he was just got fired for being a con man and is doing the break-ins in the neighborhood. Right. She doesn't learn that stealing until shit later. Stealing people's neighbors. Oh. I totally forgot about that. I like to think he's only stealing from the white people, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I am going to choose and agree with you that he is only stealing from the white people. I can't remember if actually anybody from the neighborhood actually said that their houses were getting broken into outside of maybe Terry and Josie. Because they say it and they say the thing about like family heirlooms and like they wouldn't care about yes. black people's family heirlooms. So that's why I do kind of think it is uh, that he is like, I hope so. it's not Robin Hood, but like, you know, right. so to steal from. Um, um, but yeah, I'm just like, there's a lot of red flags. I know there are a lot of red flags, but if you were Sydney. <laughs> And the way the last third of this book goes, who do you want on your oh, side? Yeah. No, fucking agree. And like, you know what? Sometimes traumatic events is how it brings couples together. And that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. I really hope that they can make this work. But I just, as someone who's like, we're going to try to recognize red flags more frequently. I was like, oh, Theo, so many red flags, Theo. Right. <laughs> um, but again, like, I just I truly appreciate the fact that he's not... The guy on the, like, from the, um, I was going to say on the other side of the tracks, like, the, he's not this heir to a family business. Mm -hmm. He's not this super white, privileged, like, upper class Connecticut dude. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Because also, like, he's, so the mystery of, like, Sydney's mom and just the little tidbits that we get here and there and why did she leave? Why did her and Marcus break up? Divorce. Um, same thing with Theo, where we don't get to learn everything about him at once because so when he does tell her the truth about mm-hmm. everything, um, cause he lie, he gives her like a half truth about and a lie about why he was fired, tells her the truth. I think it's, he says something, he's thinking something about how when he was 17 and had to leave home and I'm like, well, why'd you have to leave home? And we don't find out till later. It's because his mom's boyfriend was going to like shooter and so he shot him instead and they had to bury yeah. the body and shit yeah like yeah there's the the line about like this isn't the first body I've had to mm-hmm. bury or unbury or something and I was like oh boy mm-hmm. 
Right? Oh boy. Because the like when she told him where her mom was and he tells her to go to sleep, I was like, he's gonna go dig up her mom's body for her and put it put it somewhere safe. And he Oh see, I went, Oh, he's good she's gonna wake up and he's gonna be curled up with her. No nope. and no, but we I need, also truly appreciate this. <laughs> it's like, nope. He's gonna go try to fix the situation. And cause also who like the fact that she had because he says to her that this is a really shitty situation you were forced into where you had to make this decision and then go bury yes. your mom like not even a proper funeral like yes had to go do it so i was like no he's gonna go handle this for her because who wants to then dig their mom up and have to go bury her somewhere else yeah and also like when he's like your mom's not actually there like i read that a few times being like where the fuck is she because like if the people who are taking over the neighborhood the scary conspiracy People, I don't know how else to phrase that. Mm -hmm. They would have used the body for their own advantage if they had been the ones. And he also said there was no digging before he started. So I was like, well, where is she? So what does that mean? Like, what? And of course, she's like, wait, does that mean he doesn't believe her? He's like, no, you say you buried her there. I believe you. And I was like, okay, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely never had a point where I was like, Sydney's gone crazy or anything like that. Like, her... The stress of everything and the fact that she's mixing alcohol and medication with Ambien oh, and things. And I'm God. like, no wonder your brain. No wonder. Like, as someone who's been on Ambien enough times in my life, like, you do actually feel like you were going fucking insane. Right. Plus her best friend's missing. Just, yeah. We haven't talked oh, yeah, about that. On top of that. Yeah. She's this best friend who, like, also really appreciate the fact that her best friend's not this person who's, like, always there for her in the sense of like, I'm going to drop everything um, and be your sounding board. Like Mm -hmm. this is a friend who clearly is also frustrated and like, you need real help. Yes. And she also, she, I think it's like the last guy that like blew Sydney off. Her friend is like, I told you not to mess with him. Like stop messing with all these fuck boys. Like I tried to tell you, like she's being very realistic with her. She's not coddling her, but she is still being supportive. Yes. And she also helped her bury her mom. Yeah, that's like a type of friendship. Like, those are the friends you need in your life. Bury the body with you. (laughs) Who is that friend that would bury the body with me? Which sounds like a joke, but like, if you don't have one of those, or if you wouldn't be that for someone, Mm -hmm. go get the relationship book we talked about earlier. Find a friend. Yes. Yes. Foster these relationships. But Drea's not (laughs) responding. She basically helped her, and she got some, some... information about Varentech, the pharmaceutical company that's coming in and like making their headquarters there. But she hasn't really been responding to her as of late. But there was a day where Sydney messaged her and was like, come on, like, I can see that you're reading my note, my my text. Just let me know that you're okay. That's what I'm worried about. And so Drea starts typing, but then the message never comes through. So she's got that stress. She hasn't seen her. She goes upstairs. Drea's air conditioner is missing. That's one thing. But she, she heard noise up there. Um, yeah, I'm glad they mentioned the ambient because the the way she kind of reacts to that and like doesn't freak out enough. And I was like, I can understand like your the the crash, I guess, yeah. because like the fucking air conditioner is missing mm-hmm. that she just bought. It's new. Yeah. And then she when she finds the air conditioner, <laughs> so yes, basically she finds the air conditioner. In Theo and Kim's place. Kim's gone. Still gone. She's at Theo's. um, And she sees the air conditioner. She notices it's got this little heart-shaped sticky spot. 
And it's exactly where Drea had put a little heart sticker on hers as a joke to be like, no, it's spreading love. So she panics. And then Kim's iPad starts going off with what she thinks are messages between Kim and Theo about Sydney needing to be taken care of. And yeah, he's going to do it. She leaves and goes home. Yes. Um, so what happened to Drea? Like, because I... so it's we find out that Drea is in this like Com- this staircase that's between right. apartments essentially or between brownstones it's like a, uh, it's it was hidden. a servant's quarter yeah. yeah and that the way and- i love this part though when sydney she goes and gets her mom's revolver and um theo calls her and he's like where did you go but don't forget it he's in your house and she doesn't believe him she thinks it's a it's a lie he's like no he's in your house you need to hide okay he's on the second floor you need to go like he's panicking um so she goes down the old servant's staircase which is hidden in her mom's closet. And she talks about how she got in trouble as a kid because not because she went into it, but because her mom was freaking out and couldn't find her for like hours. Yes. <laughs> yes. I did side note, like when she finds her mom's revolver and she remembers her mom teaching her how to use it, that her, her grandfather mm-hmm. had given it to her mom and he taught her and um, that her and her mom are watching Goodfellas one day. Yes. And her mom starts cracking up at the scene where, what's his name, Henry? Oh, I haven't seen Goodfellas and I don't know. <laughs> oh, whatever the guy's name is and he wakes up, Karen, I know her name is Karen. Karen's got the gun in his mouth while he's asleep and he wakes up to that and her mom starts laughing and she's like, this is not supposed to be funny, why is this funny? And her mom's like, that's how your dad woke up after the first and only time he ever hit me. <laughs> then and he- that's exactly how, if you mm-hmm. hit someone... That is exactly how you should be woken up. Yep. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're very lucky that she didn't just pull the trigger, that she gave you another yeah. chance to let you leave because he left. Yep. <sighs> so anyway, <laughs> the so, servant yeah, staircase. It, yeah. I don't know. I was having a hard time with that because, so there is someone in her house. That's not, like, Theo's a good guy. Mm-hmm. He, he, the iPad, it was games. Like, it wasn't him. And there right. is someone it in the was house. like the instant message that gets sent to that, you know, like, I don't know, iMessages, they go to both places. Right. But I do also think that, because um, Eric is the name of the guy who's in the house trying to kill her, I do think it uh-huh. was a ploy to pretend that he was Theo, because... That's fair, yeah. She says something to him about, I don't like that she's in my house, and the response is, yeah, I had to think quickly when something ha- I can't remember what happened that's right that's so, right yeah because she's got the camera the the doorbell, doorbell camera. camera yeah um so my thinking was if the person chased Drea into this and killed her in there and left her there then they would know to check there for Sydney but he doesn't right so I'm right. like was she injured and Either went in there to get away or poisoned yeah or the door got stuck or I mean, the door, like, I don't think the door was stuck. I think something could, because Sydney's able to get out with no lost. problem. Yeah. I feel like she was either injured and hiding or poisoned or something. It's not clear what Maybe she was her. too afraid to come back out. Yeah. Maybe, but she never Poison hit send. Poison makes sense, too. She never hit send on that message. No. The last message was, but I'm I, sorry, I love she you. She must have been poisoned. Yeah. That makes sense because, yeah, it's sorry and it's like someone held down or, yeah, whatever. Right. Because um, it's a, th- the end of that chapter where that text message was just chilling. Yeah. Um, 
but like Sydney talks about hearing the scratches in the walls and oh my god and, and I was just like oh my god mm-hmm. and she's like how many times did I walk by her that was devastating yeah that devastating. just oh I got chills I just got chills yeah um but also so when she goes into Dre's room and the comforter and there's the bed bugs right so at first I thought the bed bugs were just like um Sydney's mind like working overtime and just like anxiety basically right, like anytime I got a bug bite in New York I was like right, bugs because she's worried she has them in her apartment she keeps scratching herself yes and like I mean anytime I find a bug I'm like well, here's a picture of a bed bug <laughs> it's not a bad bug okay but when she found them on there I was like these fuckers are just releasing bed bugs in her house mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep yeah. yeah. So when things start like really popping off, when she like the next chapter is Theo's perspective, he gets to her house. She comes out of the wall because he doesn't know that this is like a hidden door for the staircase. I thought that was really cool. Um, yes. And he's like, I see a shadow behind her and she's still focusing on me and she's mad at me. And I, I didn't read the text messages. Oh, shit. This looks or the, you know, the text message that showed up on the iPad looks really bad. <sighs> So when he throws the iPad at the guy behind her, who has a fucking silencer. Yes. And I loved so much that Sydney didn't like panic. She turned around and shot at him three times. Yes. <laughs> she was like, fuck you. You're not killing me. <laughs> but then when the guy falls down the stairs, she stops him from getting his gun. Theo then, like, knifes him in the side. Like, this guy's about to, like, bleeding yeah. out in her stairwell. I was like, shit's real. Shit's, shit's going down. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Two dead bodies. Two dead bodies mm-hmm. in this house. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we should also really quickly mention, we find out that, like, Dre is apologizing because oh, Sydney's mom, this whole scam about the house, Drea got paid 50 right. grand to basically find or help set up Sydney's mom as a mark to help convince her to sign with them. Yeah. Although Sydney was like, I don't, mom never mentioned her saying anything like that, but then, you know, persuasion or suggestions don't have to be over. They can be subtle. No, they don't. And especially someone who's been in her life for, right. You know? Yeah. And 50 grand is a lot of money. Yes. I'm also thinking now, like maybe she knew more so than mom did, how bad things were with Sydney and Marcus. Like, because you you might yeah. save your mom from all the details, but you tell your best friend more of the details. Whispering those yes. things to mom could convince her to help convince her. Yeah, I'm curious how much Drea, under, I mean, from what we see of her and what we, what Sydney talks about, like, she's a really intelligent woman. Um, but part of me is like, man, maybe she didn't realize that, like, she was fucking over Sydney's mom so much. But also, how do you not? 50 grand is so much money. Yeah. I think justifying it, like, oh, it's just a house. It's fine. And then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. This is when shit gets wild. Right. Like, so wild. Like, this book. Is a little slow moving at first. Where I mean, it's just slow moving. Sounds so bad. It's a great setup. Like mm-hmm. Learning about right. Sydney, feeling Sydney's right. anxieties, Theo as he like kind of wavers around. 
learning about the neighborhood, learning all the shit that's been done to this neighborhood that 100% believe is real. Mm -hmm. Um, And finally getting to this point where thankfully at no point is there a lot of like, I mean, Sydney at one point is like, if I sound crazy, right. You need to tell me. And she totally, but it's second guesses herself a lot. Yeah. Which is understandable because her fucking ex-husband is an asshole. Oh my God. Oh, we didn't even talk about the Uber ride. No. Oh my God. That was the point I was like, what happens in this book? Right. Because she's going to take an Uber to go to her hairstylist because she doesn't feel like walking. And, like, the ride gets canceled. And then she gets another, like, Drew will be here in one minute. And she's like, okay, great. So then this car pulls up. She doesn't always check the license plate. Always check everything. She just gets in. Always check the license plate. It always lets them go, hey, are you... X. Right. He did say her name, though. He said, I, I think, her full name after and she said And that's the weird Drew. part. Right. Yeah. Gets in. The child locks come on. Because at first he starts talking about, like, I think the medical center and how Barentech's coming in and how people had protested. Yes. He asks her if she protested and she says no. And he's like, oh, good, because it didn't get them there anywhere. Anyway, it's like the slow build of the creepiness, because then she notices he's got that white cop haircut, that very short buzzed haircut <laughs> mm-hmm. he then casually mentions that he used to be a cop she's locked mm-hmm. in this car because the child locked she also on. he says something about traffic no he and says he's he takes a turn he's not supposed to take and she's like where are you going it's down this way and he's like the gps said there's traffic or mm-hmm. an accident or something and she's like there's no gps in this car There, just a funny quick side story i at Christmas, when I was down um, visiting family and friends, I got lunch um, with a friend and we went somewhere and I totally thought we were going to a different. So I had to take an Uber mm-hmm. and thought we were going to a different restaurant and the Uber driver started going in a different direction. And I actually literally texted a um, friend of the show, Tim, and was like, I think my Uber driver is going to kill me. <laughs> God. And then he didn't respond and like. It was all on me. It was the fact that I didn't realize that this restaurant was not the restaurant oh. that I was thinking of. And then I think later was like, hey, asshole, I'm not dead. <laughs> like, yeah. <for> like, <laughs> oh, my God. It, like that fear of like, right. you know, we, we're told not to t- meet people off the Internet and things like that. And like Uber and Lyft have these safety precautions in place. But also this was not a registered ride. Right. Because then her phone's frozen. She can't text or call anyone he's Mm -hmm. still talking about these people and how you used to not be able to do certain things and now you can because the neighborhood is getting better like it's a very creepy unsettling ride where he does let her out like a block away and he's like you're gonna have to walk because things are happening like something whatever and then so she gets out and whatever but then she can't find any record of it like you said it's just it yeah it's they clearly have someone who can manipulate mm-hmm. technology, mm-hmm. and that was fascinating. Right. But yeah, that was early enough in the book that you're still kind of like, I don't know what's going on here. Right. This is such a shocking thing. Right. But yeah, you totally see that, and then when you find out more about her ex-husband and what he did yes. to her, you totally understand what she's like, am I crazy? Am I making these things up? Did I imagine yes. this? Like, you have to tell me if it's, if it's crazy. <sighs> Like, yeah, the moment where she's like, 
you saw the Con Ed guy who right. tried to get into my house. And he's like, yes, like, you didn't make that up. Like, that right. actually happened. Because right. even that, she's like, I did I make that up? Right. Like, you need to let me know. Whose name was Drew. And it's heartbreaking. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Drew. Mm. I just. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't kill Drew at the end. Uh, did they not? I thought they did. I thought that was Eric. She, she said she could. They, that was Eric in the stair in her house. And then when they go no, into that, the I hospital, thought Eric. Yeah, she tases him and says she can't kill him uh, like this. And I was like, why? Yeah, <laughs> like, assholes definitely done some shit to her. Like, because a lot of stuff happens up till that point. Like, yeah. So there's a blackout, and then the cops yes. come and say people need to disperse because they're rioting. Because you know they like to use that language, any language they can. For as an excuse to start attacking people. Yeah, and the neighborhood, for the most part, very quickly falls into kind of two camps of Mm -hmm. like, we're not rioting. We're going to stay out here and prove that you cannot force us to do Mm -hmm. whatever you're trying to force us to do. And then the other side is, something fucking bad is happening. Get into your house and stay safe. Right. Candace tries to convince them. Yeah. Yeah. She's of that camp of get in the house. She tries to convince them to stay with her. They leave to go into the medical center via the tunnels that do exist underground. Like, yes. <laughs> and then, Oh, so- I fully believe like the, that was never a question. Even when they're like, we didn't, couldn't quite prove it. I'm like, fucking New York has tunnels everywhere. Yeah. I truly believe like that was never a question. <laughs> <laughs> and then they run into Bill, Bill, his name's William Billford, but she calls him yeah. Bill Bill. So that's what I would call him. The real estate guy who tried to get, what's his name? Theo to work with him. And then uh-huh. Miss Gianetti, the lawyer who is supposed to be helping her with her mom's case. So here's where this part reminded me very much of. Have you seen Tyler Perry's Diary of a Mad Black Woman? Yes. Okay. I love that movie. So for anyone who hasn't, you should. But basically, Helen has this super abusive husband, Charles, verbally and physically. Kicks her out, cheats on her all the time, finally kicks her out of her house doesn't let her take any of her things nothing he gets shot i believe and paralyzed and since she's still Mm -hmm. his wife she's trying to help him because also i think his girlfriend the woman that he left her for like leaves him because he's she's like i don't want to deal with this so she's trying to help him they're not fully divorced i don't right so she's still still his wife of contact yeah so she's trying to help him and he's being a verbally abusive asshole and i was like why don't you just hit him he's done so much to you like just snap on him do it and then she did. And I was like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> she goes off on him a few times. When Miss Gianetti. Scares the shit out of him straight. Like, oh, she I almost drowns him. Movie. Oh, my God. Yes. That was that was a little under. When she almost drowns him because she shoves him into the tub. And she's sitting there rocking, smoking a cigarette, talking about, what about me? And what about my needs? I was like, ooh, she has snapped. She gonna kill you. You should have been nicer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't have been an asshole. So... When Miss Gianetti starts talking shit and is like, you couldn't even keep your appointment just like your mom, all these people. Like, once she started talking shit about her mom, I was like, you could just shoot her. You got Bill. You can get information from him. <laughs> but then she does. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> oh. She shoots her point blank between the eyes. Yep. And it was like. Done. Done. And then like, her to Bill and was like, what do you think of my mom? And Bill's like, never met her, but I'm sure she was a wonderful woman. <laughs> he goes like, oh my God, Sydney, like some warning. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, when he accidentally kills Bill. <laughs> I love that so much. Because he's the son of someone who works at a mafia who mm-hmm. clearly like, like, 
helped bury bodies and maybe like probably killed some other people besides his mom's yeah. ex. Yeah. Um he's a terrible shot. He's like aiming for his arm and like shoots him in the chest. In the heart. <laughs> She's like, why'd so- you kill him? I was trying to get in for he's like, well my aim apparently is not as great as yours. She's like, all right, fine. You killed one. I killed one. Let's just go. Let's keep going. <laughs> I want this as a movie. And I love I the fact that when we talk about books, they tend to become something. And mm-hmm. I really hope this gets. I'm put. Let's put that uh, into the universe. Yes. I think. I want this as a movie. So much. The thing. So they find the neighbors drugged up, like a lot of them in their own separate locked rooms, drugged up. Something's going on. And then there's these two nurses, one of whom Sydney shoots in the stomach. Mm-hmm. Julia. I don't know how they could convey this in a movie, but I would love for them to try because yes, Sydney shot her. Yes, Sydney's like freaking out because all the stuff is happening. She's just seen a bunch of her neighbors locked up in these rooms. She feels guilty. Like as the woman's laying there crying about how much this hurts, she's like, oh my God, I did this to her. I am the one who shot her. I am the one who is causing her this pain. I am why she's probably going to die because like the Leave guilt. The like kids motherless. Right. Which we find out later, but, like, I just think that's very realistic. Because then, after that scene, her and Theo are talking about, like, video games and how she was never good at first-person shooters. And he was like, I'm throwing out my PlayStation. Like, it's not a game. Mm -hmm. Like, I would love for them to explore that as well. Because I felt like that was very real. Yeah. There's also another scene later, like, just after all, a bunch of death. And and I think it's Theo that's like, I'm sorry, I'm not being stronger right now. And she says, like, no, it's all, it's good that you're not that cold hearted or cold blooded or something. And I was like, you know what? That's valid. That is so valid. Very valid. So, (sighs) Diary of a Mad Black Woman. This movie also made me think of Black Panther. Okay. Because when they go on and find the board meeting, basically it's Kim and her dad and a bunch of other people talking about this project. And someone actually mentions how it wasn't as subtle as their projects in Park Slope and Williamsburg, those infiltrations. Yep. Theo steps into the room and he's like, no, you have to stop. And the guy's like, you can't stop us because Baron Tech is the primary shareholder of the real estate agency that has bought up all these properties. Mm-hmm. And they also own a private prison, I believe. So they own the mm-hmm. prisons. They got the cops. They've got the property. What can you do? So Sydney, the media. She, right? The media. Sydney empties her entire clip into Kim's dad, which I was like, "Don't waste all your bullets." <laughs> but she yeah. does. So he's dead. There's like a shootout. All these things happening to the point where a lot, like everyone dies. I think, except I think three people get away. Theo and Kim each have a gun on each other. And she's basically, she pulls the Wakabi, you would kill me, my love, that that motherfucker had the nerve to say at the end of Black Panther to Okoye. That gets me every time. (laughs) She's just like, you'd shoot me, babe? Like, really? And she's like... Yeah, in fact, I would. No, because he's letting her talk. And Sydney, it's her, it's her chapter. So she's seeing that, that Kim still has the gun on him. She starts to take the safety off. Like, she's like, oh my God, Theo. Luckily, the safe word, howdy doody, as you said, something being like comical, snaps him out of it and he kills Kim. Yeah. But you would kill me, my love. I just, every time I watch Black Panther, that gets me. And I <laughs> just want to punch him in the face. <laughs> yes. I also like that the boardroom... They go into it, and, or Sydney, I think, because I think it is her chapter, like, turns a corner, and it's not a fully white um, yeah. room. Got at least one of them in there. 
Yes. Some black politician. Uh, and I think and an Asian man? An Asian guy. Yeah. yeah. And like, this is, makes total sense. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I, I appreciated that addition of just like, this is so deep rooted. Yeah. In so many different ways. Yep. Um, and also was sitting here being like, I don't know how this is going to end. Cause like the original ending of yes. get out is not good. I oh. mean, it's good, but it's not, Oh, it's so, Oh, and right. like, I don't know which way you're going to lean because like realistically, how do you get out of this? How do you like, get out of this? Cause also three of those people got to leave the boardroom. They ran out. Yes. So people got away. It just, it reminded me of reading the hate you give where I was mm-hmm. like, I just want a happy ending. I just want the people that deserve to get the repercussions of like what they're doing get their karma kick in the ass. But that's not necessarily realistic. Like where is right. this going to go? Am I going to lose Theo and Cindy? Right. And, and I thought we were. I really, I, I, oh, I, yeah. I, yeah. Cause they get caught. They, yeah. <laughs> oh, like I, I truly thought this was going to end with like one of them losing their mind or right. like talking about being on oxy yes. or like just kind of close with that. Yes, that's what I thought too. I was so worried because the whole point of they, they basically stole all the neighbors to kidnap them to inject them mm-hmm. with drugs so they can find a cure for drugs because they need human test subjects and who better to test on but people of color. Yes, as per usual. The guy who Theo, the house that Theo and Kim buys, um, the guy who owned it, we found out, was part of this experiment, escaped. Theo runs into him early in the book. Oh, that's someone else. That's the guy, um, Kavan, who's supposed to be helping her. No, you're right. Sorry. Yes. With the research. And that's why Theo gets to step in. Yes. Miss Payne is in there. That's the person who owned the house before. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Combined them in my head. But anyways, there's a moment where where she's calling him. He sees the person on the phone, like the the picture she's got for him. And he's like, I fucking saw this dude. And realizes all of these like deep-seated prejudice Mm -hmm. that he's got that he's never considered Mm -hmm. that again theo's not a bad guy well theo's not a bad guy um definitely not a racist person but all of these things are so deep-seated yes and it just it's so well done yeah yeah and then do you want to talk about how so they get caught they get knocked out, basically. They're going to be test subjects. And I was like, I, like you, thought this was going to end with them in a haze of heroin and oxygen and whatever drugs. Yeah. You want to talk about who, how they get out of this? <laughs> the best. So, when they went to the old folks' home earlier, they talked about the blackouts in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and how they were, how basically how they protected their houses and yep. things like that. And suddenly Fitzroy, who is one of these, the one of the people living in the old folks home, for lack of a better term, yep. elderly house, I don't know, mm-hmm. where all the cool old people are, the people that I want to be when I grow up, mm-hmm. fucking bashes in one of the guy's head yep. with a cricket club? Cricket bat. Yeah. I don't know where the fuck he got a cricket bat from, but yeah. And if I already loved this book. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter that it's the fucking like elderly people mm-hmm. 
It's him and that Gracie. save the day that are like, we've seen this. We've been doing this right. for X amount of decades. Right. We got this. Although they... And a lot of people talk about this ending being rushed. I think it's a perfect. I think it's like, there's so many things that I want answered. Yeah. But this, I think is so beautifully done. Because my favorite was Gracie comes in with him. And Sydney's like, what's going on? She's like, what's going on is you should have gone in the house when Miss Candace said, get in this house. <laughs> like, yes. So they knew what thing, that things were happening. And Fitzroy does say, we were trying to deal with it the old way. Evil moves faster. We got to adjust with the times. Yes. And they get out. And they're like, we, did you really think you were the only people that noticed there was yes! shit going on in the neighborhood? Because oh, then Gracie says, like, we notice things. Like when someone buries something in the garden... We will then move it to a safe place. And I was like, I got chills. I was like, oh, looking out for each other. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what this neighbor. That's what a neighborhood should be. Yes. That is what they talk about when they say, like, it takes a village to raise a kid. Mm-hmm. And this isn't what it is anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they get out and basically they burn down the center. Although yes. the news says that a transformer blew, no foul play is suspected. They're not going to be building that headquarters there. Um, the fact that they use the blackouts mm-hmm. that th- that the company was hoping to cause to get all these people like the last bit out in their minds. Yep. Backfired and like used it against them. I love it so much. So much. And then the last part is where they're eating breakfast and Fitzroy is talking about how this guy in a message board, basically the same thing's happening in Detroit and how there's always fighting to be done. There's yes. no need to rush because that's where we'll mess up, but there's always fighting to be done. And that's definitely a very poignant message, I think. Yeah. It's, you know, like, Hey, we solved this. We fixed this one neighborhood for now. Mm-hmm. We solved this problem here for now. It's everywhere. Right. And yeah, you're right. The, the, the saying that like, you know, don't rush this because activism gets exhausting. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. And just the cyclical nature, like just look at how the country was founded. Like, mm-hmm. and tell me that this doesn't make sense. <laughs> we're writing yeah. people off their land. Like that's why, that's why I look at like that. I mean, yes, they were doing it to the whole neighborhood, but that part specifically about the community garden was very much like, okay, you yes. stole that land. All right, fine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, like, way, yeah, it is the 21st century way of stealing land. Yes. I did have one last favorite thing. Yes. I put it under my list of microaggressions. It was um, (laughs) when they were talking about the block party earlier in the book, and Josie, who's one of the problem white people, says she's going to make potato salad, and it's a recipe that has raisins in it. Raisins do not belong in potato salad. Stop it. That and that one of the people responded in the R R Hood app with like the the emoji with like the X like the no <laughs> symbol. <Yes. laughs> I am so ready to read whatever other thrillers. Yes. I mean, I'm to the point. Ellis <laughs> school, whatever you put out there, I'm gonna read it. Exactly. Any genre, it's fine. <laughs> wherever you want to go, we're gonna follow you. Yep. <laughs> so before we talk about what we're doing next week mm-hmm. or next episode. Uh, what are you going to read in between? So, 
I do want to go a little lighter. <laughs> Completely um, fair. I'm, I don't actually don't know how much lighter it's going to be, but it's called, it's uh, Dust Tracks on a Road. It's the autobiography of uh, Zora Neale Hurston. So. Oh I'm yeah, I don't know how that. light that's going to be. Yep. I said lighter, but then I was like, you know what? I really want to read this. It's been on my Kindle. It was, I think it was one of those uh, deals where I was just like, oh, buy this, buy oh, that, yeah. buy this, buy that. So I need to, I want to read that one. So that's what's next yeah. for me. Very excited to see how that is. Yeah. How about you? Do you know what um, you're reading next? I got a few things that I've started recently that I'm, I'm hoping to get through. Um, but specifically, um, I just bought on audiobook Breathe by James Nestor. It's the new science of a lost art. Um, I have had sinus issues my entire life and trouble breathing through my nose and um, definitely breathing helps calm and anxiety and things like that. So I am fascinated to learn more about that, especially like as I'm trying and finally getting my sinus stuff kind of under control. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, whatever I can do to alleviate some of the anxiety, I'm trying to figure out if it's something that I can get under control. And I think this may help with that a little bit. Awesome. Or at least help prove that I need to be on medication. So whatever. <laughs> Very nice. I'm interested to see what you think of that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh that's my nonfiction for the next two weeks. Nice. Um so for the next episode, we are sticking with the reading challenge and doing a band book. Uh because September is band book month. Uh band book week is during the later half of September, so it works out perfectly. We are bringing on our co-host from the network, Frankie, who is one of the co-hosts of Circle of Friendship, which is a podcast about uh, the books and uh, this world that Tamora Pierce has built. Um, And one of my favorite books from that series is the the Song of the Lioness. um, I think it's a quartet. I think there's four. There may be five. Um, So we are going to be reading the first one. Which is Alana, The First Adventure. Uh, So we will be talking about why that was banned. Um, Do we still feel like it would be in the today? Like, are these still things that are getting challenged? Um, But if you haven't read any Tamora Pierce, or if you have and just want to hear some people, like, really break into those books, definitely recommend Circle of Friendship. Um, Nice. I'm excited. I have not read any, so. Yeah. I'm on the younger side to have read these, but then again, I think Frankie and I are the same age, so maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Before we sign off, is there anything you want to promote? Um, I don't think so. Not just yet. <laughs> not just <laughs> about, yet. Okay. How about you? <laughs> Interesting. Uh, you can find me in my usual places, my blog, um, which is still at Meg Griffin. Um, and you, Minds at York is also back off of hiatus. So if you are an Animorphs fan, uh, we are back on that. We are also doing a bonus episode on the one and only Ivan because it dropped on Disney Plus and K.A. Applegate wrote the book. Nice. Um, as for us, you can find us at JBC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, we are now part of the Certain Point of View uh, podcast network. So go to... The website, I'll drop it in the show notes um, so you can check it out. Go listen to other podcasts. 
We'll be back in two weeks. And until then, if your library is open, please go help and support them. If not, please go check out the link for uh, independent um, bookstores owned by people of color. And we'll be back in two weeks. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.